0: Our scripture reading this morning is from John chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him,
1: Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above.
0: How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born?
1: Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit.
0: How can these things be?
1: You are a teacher of Israel, and yet you don't understand these things. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. God didn't send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him.
0: I think you haven't really arrived as a pastor until you've been completely stumped by a child. (laughs) Ben and I were hanging out with friends in Lancaster. It was a lovely time until their oldest child asked a question. Now, I didn't hear it in that moment. They were asking it to their father, but I did hear my friend Greg say to his son, Well, that's a question for Pastor Cindy. She's right there. Go on and ask her. Greg's snickering behind his kid's head clued me in that this one was going to be a doozy. And yet, I still got a bit tongue tied trying to respond to Pastor Cindy, what's heaven like? I must have recovered well enough because, God bless him, that child thanked me and went back to playing, which was the moment that I lit into Greg for putting me on the spot. He could barely contain his laughter as he said, What? You're a pastor, and you don't know what heaven is like? This Lent, we are looking at conversations, intense and intimate exchanges between Jesus and the people around him. Conversations are great to study because so much can be captured and communicated in just a small amount of dialogue. And these conversations with Jesus are great because the layers to them are so intriguing. Jesus engages so completely with the person in front of him, and yet the disciples then and now are challenged as we witness the relationships unfold in front of us. Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus that we heard and saw earlier is no exception. The story is full of mystery and intrigue. It's a conversation that happens under the cover of darkness, at night, in secret. We don't even get to know where it happens Only that it is somewhere in Jerusalem. Perhaps in the courtyard near where Jesus is staying or in his room. Maybe they're close to the temple or on the outskirts of town. We don't know. We also don't know why Nicodemus seeks Jesus out. We do know that Nicodemus is a Pharisee and a leader. It's possible that he is personally curious about Jesus and wants to know more. It's also possible that the group of religious leaders that he is friends with are also curious about Jesus. Jesus did just flip over the tables in the temple, and so those in power probably want to get a feel for just how much of a problem Jesus is going to be, and so Nicodemus, Nicodemus could be approaching Jesus as an emissary from the Pharisees in power, feeling him out, getting a sense for what his game is. Either way, I think Jesus—I think Nicodemus is drawn to Jesus, even if it's just curiosity at this point, and even if he's sent by schemers. Nicodemus himself seems genuinely interested in Jesus. But he has come to see him at night, in the dark, shrouded in mystery, in order to protect his reputation, in order to protect his status. He can't be seen talking to Jesus, can't be seen being associated with him and his disciples, at least not yet. Not until he knows More, Rabbi, Nicodemus says, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus pauses, looks him over, wonders about him, sees him. Very truly, I tell you, No one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above, Jesus answers. Born from above. It's a curious turn of phrase. What does it mean, born from above? Here's the thing, it can mean born anew or born again, which is clearly what Nicodemus hears and understands because Nicodemus responds, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus tries again to make that which is mystery clear. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of flesh is flesh. What is born of spirit is spirit. Don't be so surprised that you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. How can this be? How can this be? The pleading is clear in Nicodemus' voice. He is trying so hard to understand, trying to figure it out, trying to see the truth. Jesus answers him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? sounds eerily similar to a question I've heard before. You're a pastor, and you don't even know what heaven is like? Maybe you've heard a similar one. You're a chemist, and you don't know what an electron is? Or tell me, art historian, how do you know when something is beautiful? Or can the closest neuroscientist explain how connected nerve cells lead to consciousness and emotion? Is there a single parent in this room able to tell me exactly how to make sure my kids will all live long, full, happy lives? Are you a teacher of Israel, Jesus says, and yet you do not understand these things? Even the most learned experts in this room, like Nicodemus, are still searching Still seeking, still discovering, still trying to see. And so Nicodemus' question to Jesus reminds us that we do not know it all. None of us understands fully. And there is time and space and even invitation to keep learning. Keep growing. Like all life in the darkness of a womb, the life of faith is one which requires some gestation, some embracing of mystery, before we can once more be born into a fuller understanding. So it seems possible that Jesus is not commanding us to be born again right this instant. Possible that he is not hoping we will go around making sure everyone is born again as quickly as possible by proclaiming the correct theological statements about Christ. It is possible that Jesus is instead hoping we will start looking at our lives, looking at God and our relationship to God and to the world around us differently, with new eyes, eyes that we will that we will see and understand, and that we will perceive differently. Come and see. That's Jesus' invitation to the disciples that we heard last week. Come and see. Not memorize this creed, not mentally assent to these precepts, but come and see. Jesus says, come, spend time with me come and see what my life is like what my love is like jesus invites for god loves the world so much that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal eternal life Indeed, Jesus continues, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now this verse, these verses, they trip us the the same way that being born again can trip us. It can cause us to cheapen the experience of faith, to make it about intellectual ascent, to make eternal life an after-death-only experience, rather than the ongoing invitation to come and see. See God at work around you. Let God work within you. It has at times kept us from continuing to grow, continuing to be born anew, swayed us into thinking instead that we have arrived, we have understood, we have it figured out. It has made us condemn the world, even when Jesus does not. But read in the midst of this exchange, read in the midst of this conversation with Nicodemus, Jesus is not concerned, not just concerned, with the belief of the world, but is is concerned with the belief of this one, this person, standing in front of him, asking, how in the world can any of this be? And Jesus engages him, hoping he will see what is to come and will believe. Now, belief is a complicated word. Caroline Lewis asserts that in this passage, it is a verb and therefore is subject to all the ambiguity, uncertainty, and indecisiveness of being human. If she's right, if belief in this passage is a verb, what is the action? I find Marcus Borg to be quite helpful here. He points out that prior to 1600, in English, the word belief meant to hold dear. It is similar to the word beloved. To believe meant not only confidence and trust in a person, but also to hold that person dear. To beloved that person The action of belief is love. To believe is to belove, to love God, to love God as known in Jesus. Come and see. Jesus continues to beckon. See what my life is like, what my love is like continue to grow, to gestate, to be born into new understandings, new ways of seeing and sensing the Spirit's activity. Jesus continues to invite us to be with him in order to learn to believe and to beloved.